step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Good evening and welcome to Penalty Box Radio. We are live from Cherokee Steakhouse. Oh, thank you. 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 Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, Daniel Danana, Jonah Story coming to you from Cherokee Steakhouse in Lebanon, just across the river from Gallatin. Hey, we can see Gallatin from here. Did you know that? We can. Oh. We can wave to it. Hi, hey, Gallatin. Hi. I can't see Anyways, thank you all start. so much for coming out here. Thank you all for tuning in. We have a great group of Preds fans in here. Y'all are Preds fans, right? Yeah, we are. I was, I was about to say, yeah. I think we came to the wrong, you know, I don't know. wrong place if y'all weren't going <laughs> to cheer. Which team do you hate the most? The blues. The blues? Uh, the Black okay. Hawks blues? Okay. All right. A little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. All of them. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the spirit. That's the spirit. That's the hockey spirit right there. Well, we have a great show for you tonight. We're doing a full local hockey focus. We have coach from Mount Juliet, Levin Wilson Central. We're going to call it the Wilson Wagon there. And we it. have a coach from Hendersonville. Station camp in Beach. We're going to call that the Sumner County team because that's a mouthful to say. That's, We're going to talk yeah. to yeah, them a little bit later in the show. But let's talk about the game last night briefly because uh, they've heard a lot of that talk here tonight. So <laughs> <laughs> let's see. If, I, if I could bad. describe the second period, it would be a poop emoji. Yeah. I was, agree. Yeah. I mean, you could maybe pull a couple of minutes of positive, and then it was what everybody said it was. Yes, yeah, so huge disappointment. Breakdown for those of you that didn't know last night, it was an interesting night post game. And this is just one of those things that were interesting, where people were tweeting about and everything as well is that we're outside the locker room waiting, and it took a little bit longer than it normally does to get into the locker room. So we're all kind of wondering. We all start cracking jokes because we don't know what's taking so long. And we're wondering what kind of thing's happening. We even was asked of Coach Hines. Did you go and address the team after it? He goes, I don't address the team after losses. I would rather have a fresh head the next day and go in and address things and not have a fully emotional type of response, which I totally get. But then it starts to make you wonder why, why did it take so long for them to open the door? Mm-hmm. Was it a players-only meeting? What was going on? Obviously, there's lots of frustrations because everyone knows how important that game was against Toronto. Toronto, who also went underwent a coaching change, they've been better since their coaching change and the Predators have been. Lots of frustration just based on the, the, the big, huge success that the practice was at Bellevue as well where they were working on things. We saw that. We saw it in the first period. We saw it briefly in the third period. The third period was a great period. Mm-hmm. They played a great third period, but you didn't see it in the second. That's and you start wondering, where was this team been that they can flip the switch? Why don't you flip the switch a little bit earlier? Yeah. Why can't you get that same mentality throughout the entire game? You cannot be a champion and only know how to play 20 minutes of hockey. And the sad thing is, is that so many players on this team know what it takes to get that far. So I don't understand how, and I think everybody's just so dumbfounded that... <laughs> A wake-up call. Yeah, that you can watch them, like you said, turn the switch. You're just thinking, where in the world was that a few minutes ago? It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. And there's not a logical explanation for it. There isn't, because I know Jeremy K. Gover noted in the first in Preds Insiders earlier at 6 o'clock is that Roman Yossi was a little different. 
in his post game that you could tell mm-hmm. he's frustrated, didn't have much of answers because there's only so much they can say and keep saying when you have a train wreck happening. Yeah, and exactly. that's what's going on right now with how frustrating it is, the inconsistencies, because everyone, everyone knows here how talented this team is in the roster, right? But on paper, it's a talented team, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but it's arguably one of the most talented rosters this, this organization has had, but it's not clicking. And to add to that, they have so much chemistry because a lot of these guys have been together for so long now they should. that they should understand, oh, this guy's down. I need to do this to pick him up. Mm-hmm. But they don't act on that chemistry, and that's what boggles me the most is Roman Yossi is leading in that locker room. But who else do you see building on that chemistry? Nobody. So they're, they're definitely missing Ryan Ellis right now, and thanks, Corey Perry. <laughs> uh, they're definitely missing Ryan Ellis right now because, one, he was absolutely – he was performing with how you want him to perform, and now you have Yannick Weber – Playing on the first pairing, it shows too that getting rid of some of that blue line power that you had before is coming to affect them because one injury is detrimental yeah. to that blue line. Ryan Ellis going down has screwed up everything on that blue line. When Dante Fabro was down, it screwed up everything on the blue line. If Roman Yossi were to go down, was every, one player being down messes up everything because they don't have guys fully ready yet yeah. in Milwaukee ready to come in and play top four. Yeah, if top, you could play in the bottom pairing, but that's the frustrating thing right now is what we're seeing is that I would rather have a young guy making mistakes on the third pairing and at least you know if he's making mistakes, he's learning and can get better. Just like when Seth Jones was here, hey, he's a kid, he's making mistakes, but he's learning from it because we've seen flashes of brilliance. And now look at Seth Jones. He's yeah. going to be a candidate for the Norris in the next few years, no doubt about it, instead of having some veterans down there that you know what you have with them. And it's not the best. You should know better. You know? <laughs> should know better with some of these plays. Well, what's interesting is that it was either yesterday or today, I think, that David Poyle even said – this is not a coaching issue, and you're thinking, okay, well, you fired a coach, so you brought a new one in, and now that's not the issue, then I think everybody's running out of answers. I think the players are running out of answers because none of them are going to come up and say, we're just not mentally there day in and day out, and we should be. That, I mean, that is literally the only thing because I think it's a very like relevant time to bring this up, but think about the Kobe Bryant mentality. We've been reading about this a ton the last few days. And it was because he showed up every single day and he said, you know what, I'm going to take this shot and if I don't make it, that's fine. I'm going to get you on the next one. Like that was his mentality every single day, whether it was practice, when he went home, he was telling himself that. And on the court, he was telling himself that. And so we have seen this team do that. This is what took them to the Stanley Cup final. But it's just very baffling that that can exist within this basically the same organization and then just disappear from period to period. And that's the harsh reality is when you're a pro athlete, there's that pressure expected on you where, oh, you're a pro athlete, you have to know when to flip that mental switch. And it's true, pro athletes do need to know when to switch that, but there comes times where it gets hard mm-hmm. as a pro athlete. I mean, I was a gymnast growing up. I trained elite hours, and I understand a little bit, not as much as these guys that are millionaires, <laughs> but I understand where it's hard to flip that switch. But there comes a point where you just have to dig deep, and there has to be some chemistry, something that flips it. And at this point, I mean, it's out of answers. And, and the, the thing that we're looking at, too, is they're starting to address that of lack of pushback. Yeah. We've seen this team before in the third period, even if they're down, turn it on, and they're able to push and fight back when they're down by two goals. And you saw glimpses of that last night, but they couldn't make it happen. They, they had that Victor Arvidsson goal, which in reality turned out to be a, just a garbage goal. It, did, mm-hmm. it made it look a little more respectable. It's still a 5-2 loss. And so that pushback is not there. They addressed it last night. Yossi addressed it. And Coach Hines addressed it as well. So that pushback is necessary. It doesn't mean physicality or fighting or anything like that. It's that pushback of, oh, we just got scored on. We have to 
fight right back and get into it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Glenlin's goal was that. Yeah. That you saw them actually perform the, f- the pushback in the first period and it just disappeared. It was a lackluster play, uninspired play. And you think when you come back from the bye week and the all-star break, when you know that every point matters, you have games in hand on the Which two they're running out teams. of. They're running out of games in hand. They had five games in hand on Vegas yeah. as a wildcard team. This is your opportunity to take advantage of to show people, yes, this is where we truly belong. We may look like we're at the bottom of the Central and the bottom of the West, but with those five games in hand, if you got six of those points, you'd be in a wildcard position right there. And they're not taking advantage of it. And the schedule is one of the most difficult ones to close out the season based on the opponent's winning percentage. Yeah. It's one of the most difficult schedules. So you want to do it, you better wake up. you got a back-to-back coming up. And no team is a slouch. Mm-hmm. We all know that. Mm-hmm. And so New Jersey is going to be chomping at the bit to go and beat their old coach on Thursday. So it, it, this is such a frustrating thing to see right now that there's not that pushback, which we know they should have with veteran leadership. It's one thing if it's a team full of rookies. Mm-hmm. This is all veterans. These are all guys that are getting paid a lot of money that know what's expected of them, and they're not having that pushback on the ice that they're expected to have. Because if they don't, their butt's gone. If someone's going to get traded. There's no doubt about it. There's going to be some shakeup because there has to be. David Paul even commented, you can fire the coach. You can't fire all the players, but you sure as hell can get rid of some of them. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to. You have, have to shake something up. With this much money invested in this roster, you've got to shake it up to have some wiggle room. In any sport, when something's not happening, you want to be a cap team, you have an $8 million player somewhere, you've got to shake it up. What could you do with that to, to sign another guy that's a free agent? Something's yeah. going to have to happen. And being a good team on paper, it's, I mean, it sounds great, but that's not gonna, that can only get you so far until you actually have to start being that team that's on paper. Absolutely. So. Okay. I want to change gears because I teased it out on Twitter. We have a, a, I want to make a special announcement because, as I said in the intro, uh, I'm also the commissioner of the Southeastern Collegiate Hockey Conference. So we have that tournament coming up next weekend at Fordyce Center in Bellevue. Uh, teams Arkansas, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida Atlantic, Ole Miss, Auburn, Tennessee. Any Tennessee fans here? Go Vols. I see, I, see, I see a couple there as well. Uh, so some big-time games. South Carolina, the number two seed coming in. So we're expanding. We continue to grow. This past season, we went from eight teams to 16 teams. And I'm very excited to announce another team that we're adding to the SEC HC, and that is Alabama is coming back to join the conference, the Division Three team. Roll Tide. So. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome all the Roll Tide. So Alabama coming back, that means the rivalries that come with Alabama are going to be fun. Can't wait to see the, the Iron Bowl mean oh, yeah. even more now for them because Auburn and Alabama, you know they hate each other. It'll be fun to see Tennessee, Alabama on the ice. Uh, so it's a lot of good rivalries to go. So we're up to 17 teams now in the SECHC. Yep. So congratulations. Really excited to add Alabama to the mix now as well. So I know they've been working hard to get their D3 team up and going uh, down in Tuscaloosa. So 17 teams in the southeast. And I'm a Mississippi awesome. State grad, so when you say Alabama, I love a good rivalry. Yeah, so. yeah. Hey, we got to get Mississippi State up and going, too. I know yeah. some of those kids are listening as well. Mm-hmm. So hopefully Mississippi State can get up and going and get yep. that, that team that they have growing yep. to keep growing. Because I know it's been yep. a rough couple seasons for them, but I'd love mm-hmm. to see Mississippi State get back in it. So, Glenn, it's been a little chilly, right? I know. I'm actually freezing right now. Not f- because of here, just because it's I stay It's great cold. here. There's great food this and everything great. at Cherokee Steakhouse. Oh, yeah. yeah. Great, great. I love it. I'm nice and full. And warm and everything here. But you start thinking of what's, what's coming up next, right, in the summer, summer vacation think of, like, plan. what I want to do. Right, yeah. what you want to do. Yeah, so. I want to get warm. You want to get warm. I want to go somewhere beautiful. Somewhere beautiful. And I want to have a good time. I want to have a good time. And if it's possible, I would love to ice skate in the middle of the ocean. You know what? Well, we're <laughs> having a hockey fan cruise. Wow. This is perfect. This is all my dreams come true. <laughs> Bye.
That is amazing. <laughs> yes, we are having the Penalty Box Radio Hockey Fan Cruise with Ships and Trips Travel. Susan Schaefer is back in the back. She's our travel agent organizing it. With Royal Caribbean going to the wonderful destinations of Cozumel, Costa Maya, and Roatan, Honduras with three days at sea. And yes, there is an ice rink on the ship. There's an ice rink. We're going to skate. And we this have a special best. guest. Do you all know who's joining us on this cruise, folks? Stu Grimson. Stu Grimson. Mm-hmm. The Grim Reaper is joining us on this cruise. You can ask about the It's a Bitsy Spider if you want to, that commercial. I mean, he'll be you have there. have to. Or he might punch you. I have no idea. But Stu Grimson's coming on this cruise. We're working on another special guest as well. We're going to have trivia nights, Q&A nights, uh, cocktail parties just for the group. So HockeyFanCruise.com has all that you need there as well, all that you need. And we're working on a special website as well for multiple things because I know we're preparing for the Global Series. Mm-hmm. PBROnTheRoad.com will have a way for you to travel with us anywhere you want to uh, with the Natural Predators and hockey as well. So HockeyFanCruise.com. Sail with us to the Gulf of Mexico. It's going to be fun. And with Stu Grimson, you'll be stuck on a ship with him. So if you tick him off, he will take it out on you. All right. Up next, we have Brad Winfrey. He is a coach with the Mount Juliet Levin and Wilson Central team. We're talking high school hockey here on Penalty Box Radio, live from Cherokee Steakhouse in Lebanon on ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio and ESPN 1 to 5 the game live from Cherokee Steakhouse in Lebanon. Got a fun crowd. I thank you. I thank you. Big thanks to producer Calvin back in the studio. Continue to drop them beats. People in here started showing their moves, Calvin. Bump, shaking their heads, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, Daniel Denena. And joining us now, we're talking some local hockey. Really excited to do this. Because it is important everybody knows that, hey, there's more than just the natural predators here. Especially if you're frustrated, go out and support your high school hockey teams, right? You can get mm-hmm. hockey everywhere. Brad Winfrey, he is with the Wilson Wagon with Mount Juliet, Wilson Central, <laughs> Lebanon, the Wilson County team, the pride of Wilson County. Yeah. Brad, welcome to the show. Thank you. Absolutely. So, Wilson County had a pretty good regular season because we're heading into the playoff season, right? Where the season that counts, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so looking at this, it's uh, 30 points for... MJ there, just third in the division. Just what has been the, the, the highlight of the season so far for you guys? Probably going on a, a, a real long run. Uh, lost our first game to Indy Summit. Uh, won out the rest of the way. Had a real big game against NBA. They hadn't lost all season, and uh, we tied them. Um, you know, we've got a saying about ties that I can't share here, but um, <laughs> but it you know it was a good moral victory, and then uh, I think we just got a little you know a little big in the bridges, and then we lost two games uh, this past week to uh, to Brentwood, and uh, I forget who else now, but uh, anyway, you oh it, and, and 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 NBA <laughs> actually it's the two teams that are above us right yeah. now, um, which is you know it's never a, a good time for a loss, but I think. Uh, we're so we're so loaded with uh, underclassmen that I, I think using that as fuel. You know, talked a little bit earlier about you know can you get up for games right when it's late in the season and, and all that. But we're in the the time where the games matter and digging yourself out of losing two games in a row. We got uh, Father Ryan tomorrow night and. I don't know how much more fuel we need to give these kids to, to get motivated, right? So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really been great. 
Now, it's been fun to see the, the co-op teams, especially how these kids are able to come together and be extremely competitive, especially like your team as well. Yeah. What's what's the challenge going into a season when you have kids go to different schools and trying to keep that together and keep camaraderie and keep chemistry together like that? Because I'm sure they're rivals in other ways in other sports, but they have to come together and be a team when they're playing hockey. Yeah, football season is <laughs> – football is king down here, right? Uh, uh some these they get they get all over each other uh, during the football season. It's 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 kind of comical, uh, but yeah, I'd say uh, logistically for for practice, we we practice at six a.m. on Fridays at Centennial downtown. Um, we expect the boys to be there at five thirty on the ice beforehand, and yeah, and and they make it. Um, and they coordinate, you know, rides with each other to school. Um, you know, kids, we've got uh, one player that's a senior that goes to Wilson Central. We had another player that I would have to go to his house and pick him up and bring him to practice who also goes to Wilson Central. It's like, you two go to the same school. <laughs> and you play on different lines. Like, work something out. So, you know. But, yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff that, uh, you know, as, as we've come along, we've had success. These, these kids work incredibly hard. And uh, it's been really great that, you know, despite going to three different schools, you're still one team. Um, you know, even though we kind of, you know, share the, the Bears mentality, um, yeah, they're, they're a great group of kids. And digging a little bit deeper into the preparation that you were just talking about, we had talked earlier about mentality, and this is mm-hmm. something that the Predators fan base is talking a lot of lately because that's what seems to be missing with this team. So I want to get you from a coach's perspective, when you're looking at, a room full of young minds who all have different minds. They all see the game maybe a little bit differently. What is your approach from a coaching perspective on how to kind of get everybody into that that mentality? Yeah, so I think – so I, I coach at, at three different age levels, right? I've got uh, the high school team. I've got a U16 travel team. I've got a U10 team. But it's the same characteristic you see through a lot of these kids where – Either you get down early in a game or maybe you're playing a team that you've played before and, you know, you, you just completely dummied them on the scoreboard. Every one of these kids wants to put a cape on and win that game for you, which is fantastic. The issue is that they need to see that you need to do it individually. I think there's a lot of focus on individuals just, you know, just in the world that they're in right now, like on their phones, on their computers and all that kind of stuff. And really my message to my players is is quite often the same regardless of the age level and it's you're here to do your job for your teammates and if you go out on the ice and do that you can hear it when you're on the bench kids get fired up right you you threw a good clean hit to separate a kid from a puck you made a great play like that gets people excited that camaraderie is what gets people excited and so that's that that's kind of the big catalyst for me i think uh Scotty Bowman did a great job of this with a lot of the huge personalities that he had. I, you know, I hate to bring up the Red Wings, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a native Detroiter. Um, but it, he did such a great job of keeping all those personalities in check. And, you know, Mike Keenan, completely crazy, but the same thing. Yeah, he did a great job of maintaining personalities. Um, and, yeah, beginning of the year, we, we weren't quite sure what we were going to have. But, again, these kids – they really have united under under a, a team, and they, they play a great team game. And again, Brad Winfrey, who is one of the coaches with Mount Juliet, Wilson Central 11, and join us here on 1-2-5 The Game from Cherokee Steakhouse. So looking at the stats here, too, mm-hmm. three goalies. 
uh, that you've been able to play. And swimming so, in goalies, yeah. Yeah, swimming in goalies. I mean, it's good to have goalie depth. Yeah. No doubt about that as well. But you have a couple young guys. You have a young guy out there, and I want to talk because I know I interact with his mom a lot. But Michael Dillard, what's it been like for him and that as he continues to grow in his game? Yeah, Dilly's been great. He uh, it, It's amazing. We And, it, like, all the styles of our goalies are, are so vastly different. Um, but, yeah, it's – Man, I, I don't even know what to say about <laughs> it. Stump you there? Yeah, like, <laughs> what was the question again? Yeah, it was having some of the young talent and the, just the goalie talent. Oh yeah, well, yeah. So we're, yeah, we're we're so like I was saying before, like we're we're so well loaded, um, freshmen and sophomores on this team. Like we're gonna be provided. You know, I, I expect the co-op to stay together. But if we can stay, it's an amazing young group of kids. Um, and yeah, like it's it's really nice to have the kind of goalkeeping talent that we have because everybody. Everyone gets to stay on their toes. It's like, who's going to get what games? Uh, you know, again, driving competition. Um, again, goal, you know, most of the time that goalie's not going to win win that game for you. But, uh, but yeah, they they're they're great. They're good, good competitive <laughs> kids. And, and not only do they play uh, high school hockey, they also play travel hockey. So I'm I'm glad that they still you know push themselves in that direction. So transitioning that we're seeing yeah. such a tremendous growth of youth hockey mm-hmm. in the Nashville area. I mean, obviously we all know that as soon as Bellevue opened up it's going to be it was going to be packed and so we just need more ice yeah. here in Middle Tennessee. I mean, it'd be great to have ice that cover helps cover Wilson County and Sumner County. Would y'all would y'all want to rank in this area? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm collecting yeah. donations. Yeah. So tell your county and your city leadership, here. don't yeah. come complaining to me. <laughs> Make sure you tell your local representatives if you want to rank, you demand it from them. They're the ones that can make it happen because they're the ones that keep stopgapping it as well, okay? So you want it. They deserve it. These kids deserve it. They deserve yeah. a rank in their hometown, be able to grow up to play hockey in their hometown as well. Sorry, I went on a tangent there. Right. But it just gets me fired <laughs> up. They deserve to have ice. I've got a hose and a cooler. Yeah, Let's hey, do it. it yeah. They deserve to have ice in this area as well, too. And yeah. it's, it's tremendous to see that they're getting up so early just to make it downtown for practice. That mm-hmm. shows how dedicated they are to the game. Yeah. And so with youth hockey, you're highly involved with that as well. So what's your, yeah. some of your roles in youth hockey and how you've seen that develop? Uh, what, what year was it that the Prez went to the finals? The 26? 17. 17. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That fall, after that enrollment, uh, did a lot of things. Like the goal program, which I think we still do uh, out at Ford, uh, get out and learn. Um, you know, they, they give the kids gear to get on the ice. Uh, very low investment, as we all know. Hockey's kind of got a, a, a high ramp-up cost to it. Mm-hmm. I remember that fall literally just being knee-deep in kids on the ice. Like we could not cram more kids on the ice that year. And it's uh, even at the, the upper levels, usually you see – um, really good enrollment until just after Peewee. Um, and then once the kids hit that 14-year-old age, they seem to, like, go elsewhere. But we've seen a huge resurgence of players uh, really all the way up, even now to U16 uh, levels. Um, so it's it's really been great. And I think a, a lot of that is just knocking down a lot of the barriers of entry for people to get involved Um giving them equipment and you know now we've got even more used equipment so i've got like half of uh piranhas sitting in my garage right now if you need gear please uh please see me afterwards yeah. and, and we're even seeing with adult hockey as well there's just so oh, many yeah. guys that are just yeah. on a sub list waiting to play adult hockey which yeah. it's a good problem to have people that want to play but we just need more ice yeah to make that happen yeah i i see tons of ice i i don't think i've been off the ice except for christmas and new year's day in i probably three months straight i wow. think actually i think oh. depending on how we get scheduled with the playoffs uh in gnash monday um 
might I might have an evening off. What will you do? <laughs> Probably go fishing. All right. <laughs> Especially all right. now that I know this is here. I had no idea. This yeah, absolutely. So. Right, it's great. Yeah, it is it's great. Pretty, it's pretty it's convenient. Really yeah. Well, Brad, we, we thank you so much time. Thank yeah. you for your work in the community with well, hockey and helping to train the youth and train future hockey players are going to play college hockey and play adult hockey and just be yeah. members of the hockey community. So thank you so much for your time. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay. More local hockey talk coming up. You can applaud. It's okay. <laughs> it was the Detroit <laughs> reference. They're like, nah. <laughs> so coming up next, we're going to talk more local hockey. We have Carson Corley. He's with the Hendersonville Station Camp Beach Team. Get more insight on G. Nash, the high school hockey league here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, the game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio and ESPN Works about the game coming to you live from Cherokee Steakhouse. Some great food. Really I know, I got food. really full. I actually had to put some in the to-go box because if I ate any more, I was going to come up here and get way too relaxed. Their burger was so, so, so good. It was yeah, juicy. Great food. Love it here. Love it here. They have a huge, huge banquet hall, which has been awesome uh, to mm-hmm. be here for it. So make sure you come out to Cherokee Steakhouse in Lebanon, just across the river from Gallatin. I know. It's great. So Justin, Justin Bradford here with Glenn Blackwell, Daniel Denena, and producer Calvin back behind the glass of the studio looking at an empty studio, I think. But, but anyways, there he is. There's Calvin. All right, joining us now, we're going to continue our talk on local hockey. We have Carson Corley. He is with the Hendersville Station Camp Beach team. Carson, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So you're in a unique position. You're an alum of this league and everything. What's that been like for you that, to know that a few years removed, obviously, but to have been a player playing high school hockey here and now you're a coach it's actually crazy time really does fly by it's been seven years for me now and just to see i know right (laughs) just to see the expansion of the league from when i played i know i think back in 2013 there were maybe 16 17 teams in g nash and now there's over 24 25 so to see that expansion is great um i'm I'm really excited that a bunch of teams are co-oping especially in the sumner county and and it's expanding now with the bellevue rink so it's it's really great to see and i'm Want to see it continue? Absolutely. Absolutely. So now, when you were playing, what was it? What was that like? What, what have you seen in terms of talent-wise? Has it changed at all since then? Oh, talent-wise has really expanded tremendously since when I played. I know it was really separated travel hockey and high school hockey when I played, and now these kids are getting mixed in with both. And so the the, the skill level has really improved, um, and hopefully that'll kind of bring about more collegiate hockey players coming out of Tennessee and maybe those one or two kids that can really go out, play D1 college hockey, and then maybe make the NHL. Absolutely. And we talked to Brad last segment. You're on a co-op team as well. So you have three schools that obviously they're from a very small mm-hmm. area like, together and I'm sure rivals and other things. Yep. What's that like for you knowing that you're also an alum? So you have some of those feelings as well. Well, it's, so it's kind of tough because b- back when I played, we were all three separate teams. Uh-huh. And then so, so, so the rivalry was pretty steep, especially with – Beach and Station Camp, those are <laughs> Hendersonville's biggest rivals. But but now it's a co-op. I, I think it's great. I think it's really good for the entire county uh, to really come together, have one one team and really build that pipeline with, with the inline hockey that we have up in Hendersonville as well to really build that pipeline, get these kids started early with inline, get the development of the game, get those skills really set, and by the time they're ready for high school, they can play travel high school with ice and roller. So it's, it's really exciting. So I remember talking with some of these kids before the season even started, doing some background on them. Do they really feel like they're playing for the pride of their county? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think what I've really tried to in, in, instill in them is you're not you're not playing 
for yourself. You're not playing for your parents. You're playing for that big H on your chest. I know it's Hendersonville, but you really are playing for the, the city of Hendersonville, the, the, the Sumner County name, um, and they should take pride in that. And I, I, I definitely do, and that's the reason I came back and decided to coach. That's awesome. That's all. So Gene Ash is, is kind of unique in the way that it lays out with the regular season, mm-hmm. the playoffs and everything, and yep. making sure things go like that. So need your help in explaining that. Yeah. <laughs> because the NBA just won the Gene Ash Cup, right, for regular season. Absolutely. But now, like I was talking to both you and Brad off air, that this is when the real season begins. Yep. So what does that mean? What, whatever, what is everybody playing for now? Yeah, so just to give everyone context, back when I played, before the regular season even started, you would declare if you were gold or blue division, gold being the top eight teams, blue division being the bottom eight teams. You would declare that before the regular season started. Now it's all 16-plus teams now. You're in one division. You play everyone once during the regular season, and then after that halfway point, you get split off into the top eight into the bottom eight. And so everyone in the top eight will play each other. Everyone in the bottom eight will play each other. And then the seedings for the playoffs will happen after the two halves play. Everyone. It's a lot. It's a lot. At what point are we at right now then in the season? We have two regular season games left, and then the playoffs start. So the best hockey, the most meaningful hockey, it's what everyone dreams of playing for is the playoffs, the, the chance to compete for a state championship. Absolutely. And so I kind of want to jump in with – there's actually two things. One, I want to go back to what you said a minute ago, yeah. um, just about how the players taking pride in, in playing for – what's on their jersey and not just showing up there, you know, yep. for themselves or parents, whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is your approach in a locker room with a team like that to kind of to kind of keep kids on that yeah. path where they don't get in their own head and you think about wins, losses, kind of trying to get them to accept them both and move on and not get defeated by a loss? Yeah, and those are core values that were really instilled in me by my parents, my coaches, all my former teammates, is to really be a team-first guy mm-hmm. and – to, to kind of echo other coaches in other sports, Coach Bird from Belmont, he has a famous saying of nobody cares, no, uh, nobody cares about the result as, as, as long as no matter who, whoever gets the credit. So mm-hmm. team first mentality, holding people accountable, not not really degrading your teammates, but like like we said at the previous interview, I mean all these all these high schoolers, they're young. Uh, it's really hard to grasp their attention to really get them to focus in on a game. And so for me, I just I say keep it simple. Do your job. Coach Saban's favorite, famous uh, mm-hmm. terms. Do your job, but do it within the context of a team. Let's let's not put that cape on. Let's not be the hero. Let's go out, do our job, simplify the game, execute, and the team that probably played the hardest should win that game at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. And you mentioned collegiate hockey earlier. You played in G Nash, and now you're a coach. How has the expansion of the SEC and the creation of the league really been able to motivate high school kids? And with the tournament coming up, perfect time with playoffs, are you guys going to get motivated just going to those games? I think it's I, – I personally think it's great. I mean, I know the second I stopped playing G Nash, I immediately missed hockey more than anything <laughs> in the world. Um, it was part of the reason I, I went up to UT was to continue playing club hockey. Um, and so I, I hope these kids realize there is an opportunity to play in Tennessee, being born and raised in Tennessee, you have the chance to go out and play after high school. It doesn't end. It doesn't have to end. But that also goes back to the, the kids have to have the drive in order to do this. But I know with the expansion of the SEC teams, I know I played roller hockey up in Knoxville at UT, but I know there's a roller league. There's there's a, a ice league as well. Um, so really just these kids don't don't have to know that my my competitive hockey career is over after high school. Go for it. Push for it exceed your expectations. 
And again, joining us on Penalty Box Radio live from Cherokee Steakhouse, Carson Corley, a coach with the Hendersonville Station Camp Beach Team. That, that is a mouthful. The Sumner County Big team. Big time mouthful. That's a way That's too a much. <laughs> so you mentioned inline earlier, and I know plenty of kids, especially in Sumner County, play inline as mm-hmm. well. Those are ranks there, and luckily they're able to be rebuilt after the flood, which was yep. awesome to see too. Yeah, it's great. How important is that for them to just be able to play that and have that opportunity? Because ice really isn't close here, but they also have an option to continue to play hockey. may not be ice, but they're able to play inline, which is very competitive and very fast too. Absolutely. And that's where I first started playing hockey was inline hockey in Hendersonville. That was my start. I grew up playing every sport known to man, but then really when I was eight, I really focused on hockey because we had the easy access to the inline rinks. You can go out on a weekend with all your buddies. It's free to play. And it really brings back that backyard hockey aspect and it was actually funny. We had a practice last night. It was our last practice. We were like, we're just going to scrimmage. We're going to bring back the fun of hockey. Don't worry about skating hard. Just let's have fun. Let's, let's go back to when you're a little kid on that backyard pond, and let's have fun. And so I really think the, the inline rinks in Harrisonville really it's, – it's another outlet for these kids to go out and play and to really experience what I truly believe is the greatest game in the world. So when you were a kid – what got you interested just in the game itself, whether it was inline or ice? Because you're from here. What got you interested? Yeah, it's actually tough because no one in my family really started <laughs> playing hockey. My dad's a Hall of Famer at, at Belmont basketball. My mom grew up playing basketball, softball. Sister did soccer. Um, <laughs> I actually watched my oldest cousin play a roller hockey game back at the old Saunders Ferry Rink. So those aren't even there anymore. Um, and I just decided to go home, throw some skates on in the garage, and then – Decided to sign up for the Harrisonville Inline League, and next thing you know, that was my sport. Didn't play anything else after that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so when did ice come into the ice hockey portion? Yeah, so I played roller for two two years, so eight years, eight and nine, and then when I was ten, I decided to do both, and then I did both all the way through high school and college. Now I got to ask because usually you can tell the people make fun of your skating style because you came from inline to, to ice because it looks like people kick a little differently. <laughs> Luckily, my dad was smart enough to send me to some power skating camps to uh, get those wheels nice and uh, good. We, we did have a guy on my beer league team before. He forgot to sharpen his skates, and he came from inline to ice, and he That's looked brutal. Like, yeah. Brutal. He was a leading goal scorer for some reason. <laughs> I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he did it. So what's, what is one of the challenges? Because I'm sure inline is fresh to still a lot of people here in Middle Tennessee. Mm-hmm. What's the difference in the game between that and ice? Well, yeah, I'd say if kids start with inline, the biggest adjustment is stop and starting. Because in inline, you can't, you can't push ice. You have to do a, a hard <laughs> C-cut. And then, honestly, the speed and physicality. It's a bigger rink. You're allowed to be physical in ice. You can be a little physical in inline, but it's, you obviously can't hit. Um, smaller rink, four-on-four, four, so you really have to be good, small areas, uh, really be able to maneuver around a defenseman. Um, but if I had to choose between the two, I'd probably choose ice. Ice, right, ice is that. just a little better, in, in my opinion. And I want to go back to your days of playing, because one of the things I love about competitive sports, something I never participated in in high school, I was in theater all the time, but no sports, um, is just what you learn that you can take with you past that game, right? Yeah. So what is something that you remember learning as you grew up through a sport that you use in your personal life or your professional life today? Well, the the biggest thing is life's not always going to go your way, and I think hockey's a great metaphor for that. I mean, you just like the Preds are going through right now, I mean – not playing well, but you got to come back ready to, ready to play the next game like it's the Stanley Cup final. Um, and so, but in terms of what hockey helped me out in high school is time management skills. I mean, we would have 6 a.m. workouts at the high school. Then you have to go to school. Then you'd have a practice at 9 o'clock that night. And then you, where's homework fit into that? So time management skills, especially when you got off to college and you don't have your parents telling you what to do, 
guiding you. It's really all on your own. So I think hockey is the greatest metaphor for life. Things aren't going to go your way. There's constant up and downs. You can get punched in the face one uh, one shift, but then you got to go back literally. out like nothing happened. Yeah, literally, you get punched in the face. But um, so so yeah. We've had a lot of quotable moments. I know. It was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So, We're going to use these on future shows. Yeah. <laughs> so if there was one thing, someone, because so many people, they want hockey, right? Mm-hmm. They want to go watch hockey. Sometimes they can't afford a ticket mm-hmm. for a Preds game. They want to go and watch. What would surprise someone if they went to a G-Nash game? What would be the one thing when they would go in and watch and they go, oh, wow, I never realized it would be like that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the skill level. I think if someone was from the outside saying high school hockey in Tennessee, these guys can't be that good. I mean, they're not from up north. They're not from Minnesota, Canada. But you'd be surprised. I mean, our leading goal scorer, Matt Siciliano, he has the – I mean, he's leading, leading leading goals. And for for a team that's probably not performing up to our expectations, a team that lost 12 seniors last year, for a guy as a, as a senior to come in, put that C on his chest and kind of lead by example to lead the leading goals, um, he's, he's got a motor unlike anything I've ever seen. And it's a, it's, it's a privilege to be his coach. Well, he's, sure. he's got to have a, quite a motor because uh, – Get this, folks. Matt Siciliano, in 19 games played, has 35 goals. Woo! What? <laughs> <laughs> and 47 points. So, great. props to him. Yeah, almost, <laughs> almost two points a game. Almost two wow. points a game. Wow. That's it? He Not that big a deal. <laughs> do better, Matt. Do, do something. Do better. Well, Carson, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thanks for your work in the community. Let's bring a rank to Hendersonville. Huh? All right. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All let's right. Go. Folks, up next, we have... We found a dumb thing said on Preds Facebook. Only one. Oh, I'm I mean, there's so, so, so many. We're going to say that. Plus, we're going to answer a lot of the Q&As we got on Twitter. Up next, Penalty Box Radio, live from Cherokee Steakhouse on ESPN 1025 The Game. Box Radio on ESPN One Five The Game live from Cherokee Steakhouse in Lebanon. Thanks so much to everyone that came out here. Justin Bradford, Lynn Blackwell, Daniel Denana, Jonah Story. Hello. Good times, good food. Yeah. <laughs> good people. Good people, and we have producer Calvin behind the glass. I would back like in the studio. to. Uh, I would like to thank Calvin for playing the beat of Bonfire by Childish Gambino. That is my favorite Childish Gambino song. Well done. Oh. Hey, <laughs> All right, folks. We have a dumb thing said on Pred's Facebook. I'm so ready, Justin. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Yes. For this? Okay. So this is in. This is talking about Roman Yossi. Oh, the one player the, that's producing right now. Yeah, the one player that's producing right now. This is about Roman Yossi. <clears throat> Trade him too. Teams play a steadily decline under his leadership. Let's just start fresh. Great idea. Just, just, just when I think the, yeah. the stupidest the thing ever, you keep talking. <laughs> See? I don't, I, don't, wow. I don't know what to say to you right now. Like, I just don't have an answer for that. You just – this is what I don't get. I understand people can get frustrated. Yeah. Of course. Hot takes will happen, but dear God, don't have a dumb take. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially a Romaniosi who is the one guy after signing his contract, which sometimes you see guys get lackadaisical after mm-hmm. signing a big yeah. contract, even if it hasn't kicked in yet. He's the one guy that's performed. And if you've been watching the team enough to be mad at the team, you should realize that Roman Yossi is, he is, leading, he is the front man of this team right now. He's, he's doing what one. he's supposed to do. 
he is literally the only one that's actually pulling his weight. He's so. a point per game Don't player. Don't get rid of the guy. He's, He's a defenseman dimension. He's a point per game player. I would say Roman Yossi put the team on his back. Did he? <laughs> He's been that's carrying them. Really, really good analysis there, Jonah. Pre- <laughs> appreciate that so, so very much. Is his is back hurting from that? Yes, it is. Thank you. We got Bruno Mars sitting next to us here. <laughs> I thought that was him. <laughs> so, all right, let's get to some of our PBR questions that were asked because a lot of people are not so happy with what's going on. So this one comes from CJ. Would a call-up for Tolvanen be something worth trying to see if top lines could get something going? It, if, if not, would it be a good case to show for him for a possible trade bait? Ellie Tolvanen has not been doing that well in Milwaukee either. Yeah, he has not. So, and. And my thing, too, is that right now I feel like the lines that Predators have right now, they should be forced to play their best game. They, are, they should be forced to play their next game. And I think that they need to – I don't know. I don't, I don't know that calling up Tolvanen right now is going to shake up anything to a point. Unless you're showcasing him, that's the only way. But how are you going to showcase a guy that only has 20 points in 45 yeah. games? I really think the call-up should be either Daniel Carr – or Jakob Trenin. Trenin is up. Oh, not. Yeah, I mean Daniel Carr. That's, that's what I mean. <laughs> well, Daniel Carr, I mean, but it's yeah. one of those things that he seems to only be really making it click at the AHL level. Yeah. I mean, so, I don't it's understand just... why you would call up a player who has three points in the month of January. If I my memory is correct, there was stats. Mm-hmm. When your team, I mean, it's not going to do anything at this point yeah. at all. So, related. So, Dennis asked the question, has Philip Tomasino replaced Ellie Tolvanen as a top prospect in the system, and how far down has Ellie fell with his play this year? I would say that I would venture to guess that, yes, Philip Tomasino is the top prospect, especially at Ford in the Predators system right now, because he is killing it in the OHL with the way that he is scoring. And I know that yeah, Tolvanen did really well in the KHL. He did, he did well playing for Team Finland and everything like that, but... In terms of prospects performing where they should be performing, mm-hmm. Tomasino's doing it. I mean, Philip Tomasino, <laughs> in, since his trade to the Oshawa Generals, he's played nine games with mm-hmm. Oshawa, okay? How many points do you think he has? I'm going to go with 14. Okay. I'm going to say 21. Did you see my screen? No. Well, he has 21 points <gasps> in nine games. Heck yeah, Blue, look at that. <laughs> I can't see anything. <laughs> Philip Tomasino nice has been killing it. Been killing it this season, and... He's doing that as well and kind of leading teams as well. And he didn't even make World Juniors. Yeah. I don't know how. I don't know how that didn't happen. Okay, so. Another thing that just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Okay, this one comes from uh, Spider Jack. Aside from obvious internal issues, is there any possible explanation as to why the Predators aren't playing well? I think it comes down to mentality. The whole first segment of our show, yeah, Yeah. is the answer to that, to be honest. Mentality. And I know Ryan Porth mentioned it as well. It goes back to the Halloween game. Think about what happened in the Halloween game against Calgary. They were playing lights out, mm-hmm. lights out, and then all of a sudden Calgary comes back and smacks them. Yeah. And then you have the Colorado game that happened after that as well. Yep. I mean, they've been, they've they been have, smacked around. And they immediately times. show signs of defeat yeah. while the game is no – while there's back. still plenty of time in the game. Yeah. I think it's yep. been, it comes That's down to mentality. That's actually a very good point. I think it comes yep. down a lot to mentality. Okay. This one's from Abigail. Uh, what are you most looking forward to seeing at this year's SCCHC tournament? Fans. And rivalries. <laughs> and rivalries and everything. That's my favorite part. And the big thing I know, this is going to be Jonah's first time covering this tournament. What are you looking forward to, Jonah? I'm extremely excited, but I'm extremely sad that Florida State did not make the tournament. That is my biggest sad. I love Florida State. But 
I would like to say I'm extremely excited and I cannot wait to possibly broadcast a game and or a skills competition if that goes down. That would be extremely hype. And uh, shout out to my mom. She's listening. <laughs> Danielle, you're excited I, for this too because it's another one for you. Yes, I'm very excited. The University of Tennessee made it, the eighth seed. They finally made the tournament after winning maybe two games last year. Their program has done an entire 180, and they're playing the number one seed, University of Arkansas. I cannot wait to see how Tennessee handles the pressure. And just the rivalries. I mean, all the teams that made it have winning records. That's incredible. That's oh, yeah. great hockey. And I'm just I'm excited to be back. Yeah. Hey, this one this one goes to what we discussed last week. Uh, I want to make sure everyone hears this and I want your opinion as well. If given the chance, would you want to be punched in the back by Gritty? <laughs> I would. If the press keep playing like this, yes. <laughs> Maybe we'll would, shake things up a little bit. Would you take right a now? punch in the back from Gritty for 20 points in the, in the standing? <laughs> he would do it for free. <laughs> He's like, bring it That's on. My he would do it for three points, ladies and gentlemen. Three points. Oh, my goodness. I'd do it just jump in the playoffs. Bobby over know? here was smiling like Ed Belfour in his, uh, his picture. <laughs> <laughs> that grin. Have you been to Bowling Green lately, Bobby? Have you been to Bowling Green, Ohio, recently with no. Ed Belfour? No. No. Okay. Good. All right. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 Please, please, please no. Please no. Okay. Uh, let's see. This, Kyle, this is one of those open-ended questions here. What do you think will happen come deadline time for the Preds? I think you say bye-bye to a bunch of the UFAs. I think Craig Smith goes. I think Mikhail Kamenlin goes. Um, what? Well. Whoa. Okay, okay. Where'd that come from? Robin, you need to pipe it down, buddy. Sir, this is the Wendy's. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here's the thing, too. If if we we had a guest in the audience, Chris Robinette. uh, Yeah, I know. (laughs) Say Ryan Johansson. Now, here's the problem with that. His trade value is nowhere near as what it could be, so you'd be dumping it. It won't matter. Okay. All right. All right, then they buy him out. They're not going to buy out no. Ryan Johansson. Absolutely You crazy not. fool. <laughs> you crazy. Um, if anything, if there's a player, a forward on this team that has value, it's Nick Benito. He, he actually God, does have value now because he's the one that more of this performed. But coming back to the Craig Smith thing, I've been saying that Craig Smith is going at the deadline to everyone, and no one has believed me, and I'm glad that you said it. <laughs> um, he's a UFA. Make, well, because something is going to happen at the deadline. This makes me extremely sad because I watched him when he first came to the Preds. And I just fell in love with the player. That's when you were in diapers, right? <laughs> I was I was twelve. So you were in diapers, right? Diapers. <laughs> we don't know your past. <laughs> but I just, I'm sorry if you triggered. I just don't <laughs> want to see him go. It's going to be sad, but it's going to happen. Take my word. Well, he's, something. He's, yeah. oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, I mean, David Poyle has said, if something doesn't turn around, he will be selling. There's no. There's no other yeah. option. And so, Craig Smith could have some value to teams because usually he's a guaranteed 20 goals, mm-hmm. and he's one of those predators, too, that he had the, one of the few that had the story that he skipped Milwaukee. Yeah, he went yeah. straight from college to pro, and that usually doesn't happen, and he's just been consistent except for this year and one other year in his entire career. Yeah. So he has value. Glenland is one of the things with him that he just has not fit well with the Predators, but I think there's a contender out there that would be willing to give up, say, a third-round pick for him or even a one-for-one one if you want to get a third-pairing defenseman to come out because – Defense has been a huge issue to, to go with there, so I think the UFAs are gone. I, I hope that you can do something with defense as well, but there's got to be some changes and give the guys, young guys some chances. I'd, lo- I'd love to see Davies maybe get a chance or Allard get a chance in the third pairing. Let them make some mistakes. If you're going to tr- sell, let young guys come up, make mistakes, and learn. And learn, yep. I want to see Jakob Trennan in the lineup. Trennan deserves to be in this lineup. Exactly. Jakob Trennan absolutely deserves to be in this lineup with the way he plays because he's an offensive upside. He's played responsible. He made Zidane Ochara buckle his damn knees. 
Yeah. Exactly. For that alone, just as you, you, you need ice time for that he alone. Had, Charlie had like two feet on him, and he went all Mother Russia on him. <laughs> <laughs> this so, is Russia. That's the kind of confidence we want to see in this team right now. It, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. Well, folks, I, thank you so much for coming out to Cherokee. We really yeah. do appreciate it. Thank you to Brad Winfield and Carson Coley. We appreciate right. you coming out to join us. Thank you so much. If you missed anything, PenaltyBoxRadio.com. We have the SCCHC tournament coming up at Four Day Center Bellevue next weekend. Big, big-time hockey. It's fun hockey. It's only $15 for a day pass. You get four games for 15 bucks. That's pretty good. And money goes to support those college athletes. So make sure you come on out for Jonah Story. Yes, I will be broadcasting. Yes, he will. And Daniel Donato, who's going to be covering it. Between the benches, as always. Guys, come <laughs> the out. best reporter. Come out. And <laughs> producer Calvin back in the studio. And Glenn Blocker, this is Justin Bradford. Thanks so much for tuning in to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025, The Game. The game.